Thank you for listening to the Hillsview Men's Ministry. We are a group of men building relationships to equip and encourage each other. To get started this morning, I'm going to, on one side of this sheet it says the Jacob's Well Encounter. And I, I think it would be wise for us if you just follow along and we're going to read through the Jacob's Well Encounter because that will start our minds focusing where I'm going to go with uh, some of this material today. So, Gospel of John, chapter 4. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, some of you know your scripture and history better than I do, but in, in studying to put this together, I discovered that Almost all of the major events with large groups of people that Jesus engaged in, like feeding thousands, etc., almost all of that occurred in Galilee. Very little of it occurred in Judea around Jerusalem. So it, it become, it be, I became very aware that it was these Galilean Jews that were far more intrigued by Jesus than the Judean Jews. And of course, most of the Pharisees and Sadducees were down in Judea, so... Uh, that, that really helped me a bit. Okay, now we had to go through Samaria. Now, we'll see in just a minute that there's some options there. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, By the way, a town is about a quarter mile away, as far as the best uh, historians could tell from the well. Uh, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew. Oh, wait. She came to draw water. Jesus said, will you give me a drink? The disciple, okay. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you a living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well's deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as, as also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become to them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said, You are right when you say you have no husband. fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you're now you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, 
The woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Moving past what is my story. Last time, a month ago, talked about how important it is that we be honest about a number of things. Number one, the gods of a cultural moment. And I threw out the term sexual expression. I don't know what else to call it. But sexual expression certainly has become a god of a cultural moment. Individualism, another god of the cultural moment, which is absurd and we won't talk any more about that other than to say it's an incredible way to destroy society. Right? Individualism. Could you speak a little louder? <clears throat> Thank you for reminding me. I will try and please raise your hand again if you need to. Okay. The feeling moment. Another God of the, of the cultural moment, right? How I feel right now. I feel like I'm a girl. Well, then you must be a girl. Let's go have surgery. And, and, and when we read in the Bible that the foolishness of man, isn't that a, aren't we the most foolish creatures you ever, God could ever have created, I think, the sovereign God revealed the scripture owns the universe and deserves all worship and adoration. I just love this quote. This is a, one, one, of, uh, one of my favorite teachers from 120, 30 years ago. There's a guy named Abraham Kuyper. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. So again, just a quick reminder from, uh, just to catch up from where we were last time. We look at this foolishness, and then we know that this is the Jesus who's waiting to hug us, okay? He's waiting to hold us close, man. Yes, he is, okay. Evil, wicked, and malicious. Uh, again, a quick reminder from some of the material from last time. Some of you weren't here. The gateways to same-sex attraction, and this is this is... Incredibly important because that is a the born what we call uh, in in our field the born that way myth the born that way myth people there is no good empirical research that says anybody is born that way when it comes to sexual expression. And if we as men are honest, we all know that every one of us here could have got addicted and maybe has had struggles with addiction with pornography. And you can go from pornography to whatever, and it changes, and we're as fluid as could be, whatever distracts us. And we are habitual creatures, right? We practice behaviors 
that are habitualized in, 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 in the mental health field, we call that obsessive compulsive repetition. It's no different. Obsessive compulsive repetition becomes habit patterns and how our, our everything from our minds to our endocrine system to our hearts respond. And we all know that. There are certain things that make your heart pound that won't make my heart pound. Certain things that make my heart pound that won't make your heart pound. I don't get a kick, of that, kick out of that with my wife, you know. Things that make her terrified don't bother me at all. The things that terrify me, she just goes right on through and doesn't think twice about it. Okay, we all know that. All right. And we noted that there's a lot of these uh, issues that are connected to same-sex attraction. And, and, and I say same-sex attraction, they're also connected to philandering. I think last time I shared a story about a 57-year-old man who was working with one of my partners, and he was a bodybuilder, and he was just in incredible shape, and he bragged wherever he went. I think he had slept with 146 women, or whatever the case might be. And my partner started working with him in four months. He committed suicide. 57 years old, you know, it's kind of discouraging when you turn 57. That's, that's been your way of life. All right. But where did this come from? And these are the roots, folks. Child, uh, childhood trauma, child abuse, sexual molestation. And I think I gave you the statistic last time. 82% of the men who claim to have a homosexual identity, 82% were sexually molested before the age of seven. That's data. That's empirical data that we can use, okay? Childhood neglect and isolation. Uh, Born that way lies. BTW is born that way. But born that way lies. Sexual attractions and arousal patterns are absolute. And that is absolutely false. It is absolutely false. My personal journey, okay, what's really important is all of us have a personal journey, especially going through sexual expression. And it started just before puberty, and then it became a process for every one of us. Can I imitate Christ in, in the Jacob's Well encounter? And this becomes a really important issue, because if I am still stuck on my own captivity, in my own sexual life, it is very hard to reach out and be there for my brother, okay? And it's very easy to get stuck there. Can I imitate Christ in that? Will my personal trauma derail my good intentions? Do I have unresolved guilt that I need to talk to the Lord about? And maybe to a fellow Christian. Who knows? How about hot anger? I have no patience at all for this. I think it's ridiculous. And all of us have heard Christians talk that way, haven't we? Especially when we're talking about dealing with same-sex attraction issues. Haughty disgust, arrogance, ooh, scary, scary. It's a little too close to home for Andy. Have I fallen helplessly into the arms of God Almighty? Because that's where I need to fall then maybe I can help or I can be, I can walk with, I don't like to use the word help, I can walk with the person who also needs to fall into the arms of God Almighty. And 
men he wants to hug us and we're going to talk a little bit about that today and next next time we're going to talk more about that how absolutely important it is to be physically affectionate with each other as men one of the characteristics of people who claim to have same sex uh, claim to be have same sex identity homosexual identity one of the common factors is they were not hugged by men when they were children. Do you know that? No physical affection. Yeah. It's just, it's not that everybody, I'm not saying, when I, when I mention these things, these are aspects that come out from men who have seen their journey go from same-sex attraction to full heterosexual lives and happy marriages, Okay. And these are the things they list. Yeah. Do I live out the not guilty status transferred to me by Jesus? Because if I'm stuck in the guilty, in the guilty, and I can't get away from seeing myself as guilty, if I can't see myself as freed from my own sexual captivities, then how can I walk with the person who needs to experience that freedom? So, again... I'm not saying to you that all of you are, are going to be ready tomorrow to walk with somebody who says, I have same-sex attraction. No, that's not the point. The point is, is that we're moving toward accepting the fact that we fall helplessly into the arms of God Almighty. And when we know we're moving into his arms, that we're falling into his arms, then we can walk with others who need to fall into his arms. Any questions or comments about that? Okay, we're going to get into the material for today. Most of this was in John chapter 4. We find a profound story. It's a story of grace as Jesus encounters a solitary Samaritan woman. Jesus learned that the Pharisees had concluded that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, so he leaves Judea and went back once more to Galilee. We know that he purposed to go through Samaria. The east side of the Jordan Road is not mentioned here. Huh, yeah, there was an east side of the Jordan Road. Um, and Jesus obviously intended this encounter. Absolutely, he intended this encounter. Let's take a look at that just quickly. There's a little, little map. Sychar is right here. This is Mount Gerizim, where it comes up in the story. Mount Gerizim is just slightly to the east of where they think Sychar was. Uh, Sychar is just going up the uh, slopes in, in a pass. Uh, the pass actually kind of goes north and south, as I understand the geography. And Sychar was just up into the pass, and Jacob's well was kind of right at the opening of the pass. And then as you're standing there looking north to the left is Mount Gerizim which somehow the Samaritans had made into their uh, center of worship. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I don't know much about that. Some of you in the room probably know more about that, okay? But east of Jordan, there was a road to Galilee, and you cro had to cross the Jordan around Bethany there, down where the bottom of the yellow line is. And there were a number of, uh, uh, of uh, very confident Jews probably of the Pharisees and Sadducees, who would not travel to their colleagues and fellow Jews in Galilee on the west side of the Jordan because it meant they had to go through Samaria 
And what was Samaria full of? Unclean people, right? Okay, so Jesus consciously took the in, uh, in Samaria route, and Sychar's right in Samaria. And my understanding is that Samaria is here, but basically it almost went to the Jordan River. I'm not sure it quite went to the Jordan River area. It was called Samaria. But anyway, it, 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 it's uh, helpful to see exactly what he did. He purposed, he was going from Jerusalem where he had been getting a little too popular and moved up and was going to go back up to his home country of Galilee. That's where Nazareth is. That's where Jesus grew up. That's where he spent the majority of his, uh, I shouldn't say that, the majority of the large group encounters we're told of in the Gospels seem to have occurred in Galilee. All right. Did Jacob's well encounter Jesus sat down and engaged a Samaritan woman who shows up at Jacob's well intending to tote heavy water jars at noon in the heat of the day? And I've probably heard this before. Chances are, when did most women go to the well in the heat of the summer? Early, early morning or late evening, right? They had to carry these jars. And it, it, it apparently was a quarter mile from what they've been able to excavate and find what they believe was the town of Sychar, about a quarter mile from that well. So that's a ways to carry those heavy clay jars, that's for sure. Okay. Chances are, if she showed up at the heat in the heat of the day, what was her interest in terms of encountering other women from the community? Not very good. No, no, not very interested in that, was she? And then uh, when we discover that she was married five times and now is living with the sixth guy, how do you suppose the rest of the women in the community thought about that? Yeah, yeah. He sees, she sees an inconvenient Jewish man who may have been in her way and certainly would despise her and likely criticize her ethnicity. Now, that keep in mind when Jesus told the story of the good what? Samaritan. That was a dramatic story to tell Jewish people, wasn't it? Yeah, because they literally called the Samaritans, I believe in, in one of their languages, I don't know if it's Aramaic or whatever, but it was a, a similar term to dogs. Hmm. Jesus purposely went through the dogs country. He wanted to go up that way. Yes, he did. Okay, this woman expects to be ignored, labeled, rebuffed with a racist comment typical of Jewish men encountering an inferior mixed-breed Samaritan woman. Absolutely. And a respectful male voice elicits an immediate attempt to create distance. Okay, a respectful male voice elicits whose immediate attempt to cre create distance? Hers. Last thing she wanted was this guy to be snooping in her life. Will you give me a drink, says Jesus. You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Jews don't associate with us. Ah. Suppose she was welcoming him into a warm conversation. You're an active member of a closed-minded, Bible-thumping church. How can you ask me for my time over coffee? Because what is a same-sex attracted person told by the media today about Christians? Closed-minded, racist, homophobic. Boy, you just name it. The, 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 the words just come on. Come on, come on. What 
So if I struggle with this issue, I'm not going to this group of guys. Because I know they go to a Bible-thumping church and there's a Pastor Ron that preaches the Bible. I ain't going to put no time in these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't think it being like Jesus was like that, did we? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is, yeah. Don't you dare try getting into anywhere close to what's deep inside me because in reality, what is going on? I'm terrified of being hurt. I can't. The sixth man, five marriages. Yeah. Now, we can kind of guess how she was maybe uh, 30 years before this encounter, maybe 40 years before this encounter, who knows? What was she hoping would fix everything? I wonder what I wonder what her history is of that list of things that uh, these people who have come through this and come through it and said this is what where it hurt me most. It hurt me most. And Brother Cal, you shared last last week last month with us that you experienced molestation as a child. Appreciate that very very much. And by the way, that made the the whole morning. 46 times more effective to share in that testimony with us. Yes. Don't you dare try to get anywhere close. The gateways to same-sex attraction are evil, wicked, and malicious. Remember, we just said childhood trauma, child abuse, sexual molestation, childhood neglect, and isolation fashion. They obsessively shouted lies. There's no hope, Jesus replied. If you know the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked, and he would give you living water. Now, put yourself in this woman's spot at this moment, and she hears this. What has to be going through her head? What has to be going through her head when she hears Jesus say this? She's a Samaritan. Jews don't associate with Samaritan. Especially male Jews don't associate with female Samaritans because you have two strokes against you. You're a Samaritan and you're a woman who in the cultural moment of that day had what kind of value? Yes. So he says this to her. What is happening in this lady's mind right now? If you know the gift of God and who it is that offers you living water, you can ask him and he will give you living water. He's offering a hug to the heart of Jesus, a hug to the heart of a sovereign God, maker of heaven and earth. This has to be the most confusing thing this woman could have ever heard. Incredibly confusing. Now let's go back to our cultural moment. Somebody encounters you. They know you love the Lord. They know you believe that the, the Lord, the scripture and the law of the Lord is the way to peace and love and freedom and salvation. You know, 
and he comes to you and you have something to offer that's warm and caring and you're going to create great confusion in somebody's mind, especially if they're tuned in to what the culture is telling you about who Christians are. Preparing my response, will I be gracious and realize I may first have to live? I think that was supposed to be life. Live the good news before my words describing the good news will believe will be believable. This is a quote from The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. Some of you may have read Rosaria. Anybody in the room read Rosaria Butterfield? Oh, nobody's read Rosaria Butterfield. Okay. Rosaria Butterfield was a, uh, she has a PhD in women's studies. She was teaching all at one of the Ivy League schools, and I forget which school it was. She was a professor in the uh, uh, female studies department, and she was a happy and outgoing, I don't know about ha happy and very uh, zealous lesbian in a lesbian relationship. It's, uh, I would highly recommend this book for any of us. The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. Rosario's written like two, three books since, but this is her first short book. And you know what happened? A couple who moved in down the street invited her over for supper one night. And they found they had a, a, a common love, and that was gardening. They, they just loved, the couple loved to garden, she loved to garden, and they had a common thread right away. And she was amazed because the guy was a pastor in a Bible-believing church. And other, aside from asking her to be respectful when they said grace before the meal, they didn't say anything else about their their uh, connection to the gospel in that first meeting. But they were just all ex they, she was they, they were very enthusiastic about the, the gardening thing, and they and she's pretty soon she started finding herself going over there, and she discovered that they did love the Lord, and she felt. I think one of the things she says in the book is, I felt more love there than I've felt anywhere in my whole life. All right. It's a wonderful story, um, and Rosario's worth reading. This comes right out of her book. Will I be gracious and realize I may first have to live the good news? I got two words in there. Before my words describing the good news will be believable. Yeah. Jesus, the carrier of the message, and this is a quote from Carlo Corretto, Letters from the Desert. The supreme intelligence capable of devising the best way of making himself understood. He did not open hospitals or found orphanages. He lived among people. He embodied the good news. He lived his message before he spoke it. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Jesus was living his message probably long before the, what we call, call his three years of public ministry. He preached it by his life before explaining it in words. Now just think about this encounter at the well with this woman. What did he talk about first? He wanted a drink. That's the very first thing he talked about. 
He didn't start out with, well, you're a stupid Samaritan woman, so I better be here and teach you some things, right? Okay, fellas. Okay, maybe the most, the most beautiful thing we can do is be in need when we encounter somebody. Ask for a drink. You know? I'm hungry. You got time to go to lunch with me? Love to visit with you. Who knows, huh? Do not let empty words take the place of faith and charity, says Mr. Corrado. The dialogue goes on. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as, also, as did also his sons and his livestock? So we went from, I'm not telling you a darn thing, and who in the world do you think you are talking to me, and I'm not going to let you in at all, to Jesus engaged her, didn't he? He got her, he got her past the terrible fear of what's this guy going to do to me, and she actually opens up, and she she expresses herself. Jesus answered, Now this is pretty absurd, isn't it? Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Oh, let's stop right there for a minute. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. I've been married five times. I'm living with a guy now. Have I been thirsty? Have I been thirsty? I think things were starting to transpose in her mind, weren't they? They're starting, she's starting to figure out, this guy's not out to get me. And my goodness, do I know what thirsty's all about. And I'm sure the weeping was so close to the surface, maybe by this time it wasn't funny. Yeah, who knows? The woman said to him, okay, all of a sudden, now instead of building walls and barriers, because I don't want you to peek inside and see just how hurt I am down in there from way back when. Been trying this for years and years and years, and who knows, she's probably 14 years old when she was married the first time, I don't know. 16, 17, who knows? Just through puberty, likely. <clears throat> now she's saying, what is she saying? Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. You suppose she was still just thinking about the water in that well? Primarily she was. But there was something going on that maybe she wasn't even conscious of. Because now, instead of holding him at arm's distance, what's she doing? Okay, fellas, how do we get there? How do we get there? Mostly it's with these. Maybe your mother was a little like mine, where she said, you got two of these and only one of these. That's how she's supposed to use them. Yeah. Actually, it was my father who said that to me, not my mother. He was a pretty quiet guy, except for when he would sing while it was Melvin. Yeah. 
something tells me that subconsciously, we say that's what we say in mental health world, right? Subconsciously, the spirit of the living God is touching this heart right here, right here. Okay, let's keep going. Metaphor number two, God's people, the bride of Christ. Wow. Psalm 19, 1 through 6, I, I just have parts of it here. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one of the heavens and makes its circuit in the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Is there any wonder why sexual expression has become an incredibly popular idol god? What's the metaphor of Christ, of the church being the bride of Christ, and Christ being the bridegroom? If there is an experience where we leave a bit of the limitedness of human existence, isn't it? closely connected to the experience of making love with that woman I've loved for 51 years. The walk with Jesus is just as exciting. No, it's far more exciting. It is far more encompassing. And it's no wonder that if the devil is a wolf in sheep's clothing, it's no wonder he picks on that. It's no wonder he picks on sexual expression as a way to destroy cultures, people, and create death all around us, including monkeypox. Yeah. All around us, he's into creating death. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. He's our groom. We are his bride. <clears throat> and the scripture uses that metaphor over and over. So of course that wolf in sheep's clothing is going to grab that every time he can. And destroy us, try to destroy us with it. Yeah. And at Jacob's well, he told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. Fact is, you have five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. And what you have said is quite true. Sir, oh wow. Now it's no longer talking about water in that physical well, is it? Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. And all of a sudden, she went from being terrified that somebody might peek into her. And now what's she doing? Yeah. I can see that you're a prophet. But now, maybe we could still protect that really hurting spot down in there, right? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place that we must worship is in Jerusalem. So it's still pretty terrifying for her, isn't it? Still pretty terrifying to let this guy... Maybe maybe we could get a theological argument going yet. And it wouldn't have to be quite so close to the heart. 
grace greater than all my sin. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come. I can't imagine hearing that and actually understanding what Jesus was saying. And has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers his Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worship and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Oh my, oh my. Jesus went right back to her heart. Now, she knew enough of the gospel. She knew enough of the prophets. Huh? Jesus declared, I am the, I, the one speaking to you. I am he. Now, just one comment here. And we don't say we are Jesus. But what does Jesus say he does through his people? The living water flows to others through his people. Yeah. Yes. The living water flows through his beloved. Through those who are adopted into his family. And every one of us is adopted. Don't say you don't know anything about adoption. Who is Messiah to this speaker? She knew the history. She knew the anointed one. She knew he was promised to Adam, Noah, Abraham, David, Elijah, etc., spoken of by all the prophets. He will bring the new, full, complete, and perfect life by the Spirit of the Sovereign God. She knew all that way back in here. Well, again, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Oh, my. These guys, been with him how long already? Saw him grow up, heard the message, knew the stories, knew the prophecies, probably better than this woman knew them. And here they still couldn't figure this out. Doesn't that, that just feels like me. 71 years old and stuff I just missed completely. How is that possible to be that stupid, huh? Yeah. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? Oh, my goodness. What happened? What happened? So this woman who kept him, tried to keep him at arm's length at every car by telling him he shouldn't even be talking to her. How in the world is that? Huh, does anybody remember this Bible school song? Jesus gave her water that was not from the well. Gave her living water that sent her forth to tell. Are you kidding? In one conversation, we went from get you know what out of my face to being so convincing that she went out to tell. What happened here? 
What happened? What did the angels rejoice? When did the angels rejoice? One person comes into the presence of a saving, loving, sovereign God. She went away singing and came back bringing others for the water that was left from the well. I think for some of us this may have taken 7, 17, or 27, or 47 years. For this woman it took what? Who knows how much of an afternoon's conversation. And guys, he does the same thing to us. And he prepares us to do the same thing he did with her. Now, I'm not suggesting to all of you that you become mental health counselors. That's not your job. What's your job? To use this, these, twice as much as this. And remember the other statement that uh, Mr. Carretto made? They saw Jesus live, and then Jesus taught them. Yeah. It's really, that's pretty simple. First of all, people see us live, and then our words mean something. And second of all, words need twice as much of this as they need of this. They came out of the town. They made their way toward him. Many from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. The Samaritans came to him. They urged him to stay, and he stayed two days And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said and have now heard for ourselves. This man really is the Savior of the world. I'll go back to that. I won't go back to that. Next month we're going to talk about just a few things about um, putting ourselves in a position of hearing some very sad stories. Okay, because that's what that's what we're going to do is we reach out. Um, one of the one of the experiences that a friend of mine shared uh, probably a year and a half ago is a young lady had been. Uh, very active in their church as a, as a high schooler and she'd gone off to college and she came back for her first Christmas break and she had been singing in their praise team and been very and she came back after uh, being to college for a, one semester and she told her parents that she was a lesbian and she was in love with this other woman and then the parents were distraught, shared with the pastor, and then the issue was, do we let her sing in the praise team this Christmas break when she's back? Those are not easy. Those are not easy issues, people. They're not easy issues. But I just, as I share that with you, I, I, if we remember 
that we have credibility once people know how we live. And then if we remember to do twice as much of this as of this, chances are we're going to have a wonderful conversation with that young lady. And maybe it's not us. Maybe we're praying for the person who's going to have that wonderful conversation. That's okay, too. Okay? But we're going to talk a little bit about that the next time and talk about uh, just a, a couple of things where because there is so much trauma in the past for a lot of these folks and because that trauma is often very hidden. And in fact, my wife said, are you going to use the word trauma? That, that's almost overkill, isn't it? Well, it is because I think most of us, um, m most of us misinterpret that. So we're going to talk a little bit about that next time. Uh, but yes, there's often, there's often a history, just like the, the woman that Jesus, we don't know what her history is. Uh, God didn't choose to reveal that to us in Scripture. But we can pretty much guess when you're on your sixth man and five marriages haven't worked, you can make some pretty strong guesses. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this group of men. I thank you so much for your wisdom. And we thank you so much for the gospel. And we thank you for giving us the stories of Jesus as he interacted with people. And then, above all, we're so honored that you choose to deliver living water to each and every one of your people in each and every distinct set of gifts and opportunities that you provide us. So we praise you for that. We pray that you bless us this weekend, bless our fellowship with each other, but also with those around us who don't know you. May we become again the living water as Jesus was. And may we be known by what we do and then our words make sense. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, man.